All right, Mark chapter 11, verse 25 and 26. Last week we talked about prayer, and we spoke on the Lord's Prayer a little bit, and we talked about how Jesus was teaching them to pray. And in Mark chapter 11, verse 25, following what we read there last week about the attitude of prayer and how you're to enter into prayer and the decorum, if you will, the state of mind and the spirit to enter into prayer with. Jesus followed it up by saying this, And when ye stand praying, forgive, if ye have aught against any, that your Father also which is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. But if ye do not forgive, neither will your Father which is in heaven forgive your trespasses. Then another scripture, uh, another verse I want to read is in Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 and 24. The Bible says, Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, it's not you having aught against your brother, it's your brother having aught against you. Leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way, and first be reconciled to thy brother, and then come. And offer that gift. So there you have two sides to this matter of of reconciliation and forgiveness. There, you know, just what is forgiveness? You ever thought about that? We hear it so much. It's what everybody wants when they've done wrong. You ever met somebody that does wrong and they don't want to be forgiven? Well, they're the exception to the rule. Most people want forgiveness when they know they've done wrong. But it then flip the coin, and it's the last thing most people want to give when they've been done wrong. Because there's a laundry list of reasons why you deserve to be able to control that situation when you've been done wrong. You know, I get to decide what gets done now because you've sinned against me. Well, just what does it mean to forgive someone or something? You know, it gets thrown out there a lot as far as just the word, the the term. You know, well, we're forgiven. Or I forgave him. But it's something that you ought to think about a lot deeper than that. Forgiveness is one of those things that is the heart of Jesus. Mm. It's what motivated everything. Everything that he ever did. It was what took him to the cross. It's everything he ever did for anybody. It was to see them forgiven. Reconciled to his Father. Forgive means to pardon. Well, you know, pardoning is a word that we don't use that much anymore. You only hear it in legal things about, you know, like uh, the judge pardoned a criminal or the president pardons the turkey every year, right? Saves that one turkey. But pardon is an older word that carries a little more depth, a little more meaning to it. Pardon 
Somebody says, pardon me. What do you mean, pardon me? Well, usually you that's what you say. That's the polite way to interrupt someone's conversation or whatever they're doing. What is that? What are you asking them to do? Forgive. Pardon me. I, I, I am interrupting your conversation. I am doing something that's rude, rude really. Mm-hmm. And I'm asking you to overlook it and allow me this indiscretion because I really need to get in touch with you right now. It's not absolving you of the fact that you interrupted their conversation. No, it's you owning the fact that I'm doing something that's really not appropriate. But would you bear with me? Would you know, pardon me? Overlook this and allow me to do this to you. And not hold it against me. Pardon. To remit as an offense or debt to overlook an offense and treat the offender as not guilty. Does it say to look at them as if they are not guilty to pretend that they are not guilty? Nope. It says don't treat them as that they're guilty. That's profound. Does it mean you're not guilty anymore? You're just as guilty as you ever were. But you've been pardoned. You know, it's you hear a lot of things about people. You know, it's it's since the development of the technology for being able to use DNA in cases, you know, criminal cases. It's been proven that there's been a lot of people locked up for years. Some of them for all their life for a crime they did not commit, and then it comes out thirty something years later that. Guess what? He wasn't the guy. And, you know, they let him go. In the sense, did they pardon him? Well, no, because he didn't commit the crime. That's Forgiveness and pardon can only be given to people who are guilty. That's why Jesus didn't offer anything but forgiveness. Because we're guilty. There's no getting around it. That's right. There's nothing that you can do to remit. That means to erase, to take away. Listen to this. The original improper phrase is to forgive the offense, to send it away, to reject it. That is, not to impute it or put it to the offender. But by an easy transition, we also use the phrase to forgive the person offending. Listen. It is to be noted that pardon, now this is, you got to listen. I had to read this like four times for it to make sense to me. It is to be noted that pardon, like forgive, may be followed by the name or person and by the offense. But remit can be followed by the offense only. We forgive or pardon the man, but we do not remit him. That's why forgiveness is so much more powerful than something being paid off or erased. Because, look, does the Lord want you to serve him out of a sense of guilt? No. 
But he also said to never forget the hole in the pit where you were dug from. Why would he say that if, if guilt is not still there? Well, because here's the deal. You're not to wallow in your guilt and shame. But you ought to never forget just how much he's forgiven you. I mean, think about how powerful it is to, you know, to be a, a sinner headed for hell and condemned by your own transgressions and no hope, only to be forgiven and given not only a home in heaven, a place at the table, but for Jesus Christ to call you his brother. Forgiveness makes that possible. Only forgiveness. And then he looks to us and he says, listen, it's really important that as believers, as my children, this has got to be a part of your life. This is going to have to be something that you don't just get the badge for like a Boy Scout. You can sew it on your sash and then move on to whittling or soapbox derbies or whatever. No. No. It has to be part of who you are. Well, have, think, about, think, of, think of this. If nobody ever does you wrong, how are you ever going to forgive anybody? So it stands to reason that the child of God is going to have to endure affliction in this way. You're not going to get around it. You're going to suffer persecution in the sense of People are going to do things to you and say things about you and feel about you a certain way, misrepresent you, lie about you to people that matter to you. And you're going to have to forgive them whether they ask for it or not. We see this with Jesus and the woman that you talked about last week that was caught in adultery. They, the Pharisees, didn't have no forgiveness in their heart for her at all. Not at all. And Jesus had already, he already had forgiveness for her before he ever asked her any question at all. That was pre-existing the offense. See? Most people don't consider forgiveness as like processing it and how do I do I need this? I need this. How do I come about it? I search God's word and try to find where I can find how to get forgiveness in me somehow for other people until they've been done terribly wrong. Now they have anger and hurt and sadness and bitterness and revenge and all of these carnal desires to have to try to step down on and shove down in a hole while they try to figure out how to have forgiveness for these people. That's why the world's filled with bitter people. Because you just about can't get it. you got to have it as part of you before you ever get to the point where you need it. How do we do that? How? Well, it all begins with the, Him forgiving us. It's really hard to make a lost person understand how you could forgive someone who's done something so terrible and horrible to you if they've never been forgiven by God. 
I've had people ask me, how can you do it? Mm-hmm. And I said, well, because I've been forgiven. It's the only experience that mankind can have that lets them see and know and experience what kind of forgiveness that you can and must have for other people. You know, you can't experience godly forgiveness by experiencing earthly things. You know, we've got somebody's dog around our place there keeps coming around and killing the chickens and terrorizing the place. And if somebody come along and said, have you seen this dog? And I said, yeah, he's been killing everybody's chickens and he's about to meet his end. Well, we caught him up. He was our dog and we couldn't find him and he's been gone and we're so sorry and we'll pay you for the chickens and all of a sudden. And I could say, well, that's all right. You know, all's well that ends well. I forgive you. Is that what I'm talking about? That kind of forgiveness? No. No, lost people can do that very thing. Because you're compensated for what you lost. You might have made good with a neighbor that you didn't know before, and now they kind of owe you, even though they paid you for your chickens. Do you see what I mean? It's tainted with man's understanding. Man's desire to be on top somehow. God's forgiveness is not like that. You 100% do not deserve His forgiveness. And neither do I. And yet He 100% already had it for us before we ever even asked for it. It was available. And then when you asked for it, you were able to proffer from it without upbraiding. (laughs) Without saying, well, I'll do this for you, but buddy, you're going to owe me. Boy, you're gonna, you better walk the line from here to the day you die or else I'm taking it back. Or I'm gonna rub your nose in it every time you mess up. I'm gonna rub you. Hey, don't you remember what I did for you? Look how you're treating me. He don't do that. And I don't understand what. Other than the fact that it's God's forgiveness. It's perfect. It's not man's forgiveness. And yet He calls us to have His forgiveness for other people. The ones that have ought against us and the ones we have ought against. He didn't just leave it a one-lane road where, okay, look, if you've got if you've done something to somebody, you need to go ask them to forgive you. But then ones that, that, that got something against you but it's not true, well, they can kick rocks. No, he didn't say that. If you bring a gift to the altar, you're, you're good that you want to do. How, is, how hard is it for you to with a whole heart do things for the Lord, serve the Lord when you know that there's people that's got grudges against you? You ever had anybody have something against you and you know it ain't true, but it's just it just plagues your mind? And we're just going to, what, pretend like that doesn't exist? Try to serve the Lord with an honest heart. 
and have that eating at you all the time. You can't do it. Forgiveness should be the first thing we have on our mind when we enter into prayer. He said, when you stand praying, forgive. Forgive. Just as a general, forgive what? Forgive uh, Forgiveness to those we have offense with. Forgiveness for those who we have ought against. Forgiveness from God for our own faults and transgressions. Do you ever ask the Lord as you enter into prayer to forgive you? I feel like it's 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 kind of one of the first things that that you kind of sort of need to do. It's like cleansing. Oh, yeah. Look, why? How could I walk boldly into His presence when I need forgiveness? When I know He knows. Well, we're just going to pretend like that that didn't happen. I'm going to ask Him for things and favors and and favor when. I need forgiveness. Mm. No. Should be the first thing we have on our mind when we enter into prayer as an awareness of the forgiveness that God has already given us too. Mm. It'll set the stage in your mind for your prayer. For the conversation that you're going to have with Him. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving for what? Well, the best gift, the biggest thing He's ever done for me is forgive me. And not just that one time. Every day. Every time I ask. Thankfulness. And into His courts with praise. Why? Because He's forgiving. There's conditions of forgiveness. And this is what I'm talking about. When seeking God's forgiveness, we must first forgive those who have wronged us. Did he say, I wouldn't hear your prayer? Well, no, he just said he wouldn't forgive you your trespasses. Mm. I mean, mm. that's what it says. How can I ask him to forgive me when I won't forgive anyone else? Mm. If there's one person in my life that I will not forgive, everybody else, yes, but not him. Sorry. Start try it. Try again. Go go back. Go back and start again. See, God. How can I say this? My prayer life is never inhibited by God. It's only ever inhibited by me. It's not inhibited by you, or you or him, or somebody that did me wrong, or somebody that cut me off in traffic, or somebody that did me wrong somehow, it's only ever inhibited by me. But also, if we want to be used and serve the Lord, I already talked about that, we must also seek reconciliation between those who we know have something against us. You know, you know, if somebody has a problem with you, you know whether it's true or not. I mean, you, I see people that want to pretend like, well, you know, I don't know what their problem is with me. I mean, I didn't do anything to them. I mean, all I did was say one little thing, but, it, but they took it the wrong way, and now they've got a problem with me. 
And that's where most people leave it because are they going to go to him and say, listen, I shouldn't have See that they'll go to them and they'll even say, I'm sorry you understood me that way. Mm-mm. The modern world calls that gaslighting. You go and basically make your problem, your offense, your sin, their fault. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, I'm sorry that you're all up in, up in arms about this, but if you just learned to take things the right way, then there wouldn't be a problem, would there? That's not asking forgiveness. That's not trying to reconcile. Even if they're wrong, you go to them and say, listen, I should have never said anything. I would rather you think evil of me and me not have said anything at all than for me to have said what I said provoke you to think evil of me. I'm sorry. I was in the wrong. Listen, humility is sisters with forgiveness. Nobody ever goes and asks for forgiveness in pride. This doesn't exist. Don't happen that way. So, which do you think would have more effect on somebody who actually is wrong? that has a grudge against you for something one way or the other and you come to them and they know they're wrong. You know they're wrong. And yet you come to them and say, listen, I want you and I to be reconciled. I don't like this between us. And I apologize. And don't just say, if I said anything to hurt your feelings, well, I'm sorry. No, you know exactly what the whole situation, the whole issue, you know what it is. Because you know they know what it is. So just go address it and say, listen, that time when I said this in front of that person to you, I was wrong because I didn't read the room and I made you look bad and I'm sorry. Just own it. It could be a petty thing, but especially for a lost man, you want to know what that kind of that kind of outreach of forgiveness has an effect on them? Well, there's another part, another scripture there that refers to the giving a cup of cold water to your enemy. Give him a drink. Does it say keep hot coals of fire on his head? Is that why you do it? No. It's not a it's not a backdoor way to get vengeance on somebody. No. Yeah, passive aggressive kindness. No, that's not what it's for. It's because that's just the effect that it has on somebody who knows they're wrong. And they say, here I am treating these people so wrong. And, they're, and, and I know I'm wrong. And they're just kind to me. And they still want to have a relationship with me somehow for some reason. Oh, then guilt starts to have its work. Conviction. That's where the Holy Spirit can actually have a little bit of ground to work with. It's through your goodness. Through, it's an expression of righteousness. Mm-hmm. The desire to be reconciled manifests that forgiveness is in your heart towards that person who has done you wrong in some way. So, forgiveness has to be from both angles in our life. Seeking forgiveness from those we have wronged as well as having a heart to forgive and a spirit of forgiveness toward those who have not only wronged us, but who have also not came to us asking for our forgiveness. 
you know, so much. I, I see it. I see it all the time. I see it in business. I see it in the trades. I see it on the jobs and everything. And so do you, you know, but just somebody that I don't care. I, I wouldn't throw a bucket of water on them if they's on fire. Why? Well, because they did this to me one time and they ain't never tried to make it right. So every bad thing that happens to them, I guess they get what they deserve, huh? What goes around comes around, huh? Huh? How do you think that the Lord is going to address that when you stand before Him someday? Oh. Our prayer life is either struggled with, synthesized, or just non-existent because one of two things. And that whole thing about synthesizing, you know what that means? You know what something that's synthetic is? It's artificial. It's not the real McCoy. It just tastes like it. Or it just smells like it. These things that you get that smell so good in the house. Take my word for it. I know this from when I was a child. They don't taste the same way they smell. <laughs> no, that's a fact. Yeah. Potpourri does not taste like cranberries. It's awful. Well, and think about this. How many people do you think sit in Baptist churches all across this nation and have for 30 or 40 years that are living a synthetic Christian life. Secretly, they hate going to church. It's a dread. (laughs) But they do it. Why? Well, because that's just what we are. That's just what we do. Our kids are watching us and we're the example. Well, they also are listening to you and you are the example. And, you know, they're watching your body language and they're watching how excited or not excited you are about going to church on Wednesday night. And what you tolerate, they will embrace. Never doubt it. Never doubt it. Your prayer life will be synthesized or just non-existent or struggled with at best because of one of two things. Either we don't have a good understanding of what true forgiveness really means or what it looks like. Maybe we've not experienced true forgiveness from anyone before and don't have a physical reference point for it. Either you've just never had anybody come to you and say, would you forgive me for something? Or you've just never stuck your head out from under the rock you live under long enough to to hurt somebody's feelings, I guess. I don't know. It's funny to me. The people in the world nowadays that don't have experience with a lot of things. They've not experienced things. I, I, I think back to my raising and all the traveling that we did and all of the places we lived and the diversity of culture and creed and environment that I got to grow up in. And... You know, it's probably one of the more fortunate things that ever happened to me in my life. Not that I'm such a well-rounded person, but it was a very eye-opening thing. And the longer I live, the more it, it it's it's very clear to me. It's it's becoming more and more clear that it, it it prepared me for a lot of things in this life that I had no clue that it was doing. You know, and it wasn't all good things. Matter of fact, a lot of it was kind of 
bad things. Do you think about this matter right here of forgiveness? And having, you know, watched, having endured some of it myself, but having watched people, you know, treat other people the wrong way in church, speak ill and speak evil of them, lie about them. And then, by all accounts, by, by all appearances, evil prevails. Mm. Justice not served. That what's fair and unfair not be meted out with the heavy hand of justice. No. They got smooth away with it. And the people that, and the people that were, the vic, were victimized by it just had to go away. You know... It, it it's at the far end of the spectrum of, of harshness, I suppose, and things you'd have to forgive. But at the same time, I've seen all that. i watched all that. And a lot of people never even get to experience nothing more than just petty things at school, like school children, and bickering between each other that way, and or stuff on the job maybe, or whatever, but... It's hard to have a reference point of how forgiveness is where it's supposed to be in your heart and in your life when you've never been forgiven or you've never had to forgive yeah. someone. Mm-hmm. We need to take that into account when dealing with others because yeah. not everybody has been through, not to sound presumptuous, but not everybody's been through what you've been through. Right. You know, God has worked something in your heart or in my heart that he's not worked in theirs yet. And it's not so you can lord it over them and say, well, you need to be like me. I've been down this road. No. It's so you'd know how to have patience with them while he teaches them their lesson too. I feel like we we take and and use it the other way a whole lot more. It's like the merit badge mentality. Well, <laughs> spiritually I'm here and they're somewhere in here. I've literally heard people say that, use that expression with their hands. Mercy. <sighs> yeah, mercy. That's what the need. Mm-hmm. Either that or, this is the other thing, we do have a good understanding of what forgiveness is and we simply refuse to participate in it because of pride mm-hmm. or having to be right all the time mm-hmm. or even more so, what it will cost us. You know, there's things that we develop habits in in our life, um, attitudes, uh, positions, agendas, if you will, things like just, well, it's just who I am. I'm the kind of person that blah, 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 fill in the blank. Well, the kind of person I am, I mean, this is how I deal with things. You know, the kind of person I am, if I find out I'm wrong about something, I just obsess over it until I figure it out and then I ain't wrong about it no more. Then I make sure everybody has to know that I'm not wrong about it no more. Well, I wonder how much forgiving that person does. But really, the, the, the biggest matter is the cost. The cost. Mm-hmm. Forgiveness is very costly. That's why when you say, when you use the word forgive shouldn't be for petty little things. You know, just because somebody, you know, uh, upsets you or crosses you somehow over something little or whatever, 
uh, are you really forgiving them to just be okay with little bumps in the road? Why, why would you use that phrasing for minor things? Well, I forgave him. I mean, he did this, but I forgive him. It's okay. I forgive you. It's no big deal. Well, if it's no big deal, then does it really require forgiveness from you? Jesus died for my sins. This is a big deal. Why? So he could forgive me. That was a big deal. For a big deal. And I think we, we, it's almost like we take the goodness and the good things of God sometimes and we, we hijack them to be able to make them our good things. I want to be like Jesus. Well, how was he? Well, he forgave people. So then you're just going to forgive for just anything. Every little thing. I don't know if that's making any sense or not, but I feel like it almost takes away from the true power of forgiveness when you just throw it around. It's like saying I love you over everything and not really thinking about what you're saying when you tell someone I love you. You don't realize that you do it as much as you do or take it as lightly as you do until you have somebody who actually is sincerely thanking you for loving them. And they, they look at you. This guy has been working with us. He's gone now. He works somewhere else now. He's got a different job. But he was on the bottom, running on the rim, as you say. And he was shown kindness, forbearance, acceptance, and genuine concern for his spot that he was in. And when he left, he hugged us all and he said, I love you. I love you. A grown man. It's sobering. It makes you stop for a minute and say, because what are you going to just like spit it back out? I love you too, man. No, this is not my brother. He's not my family. He's not. He's just somebody that genuinely is grateful for you not being unkind to him. And he said, I love you. We was on the job two days ago. He's been gone on the road. And I heard him around the corner of the house say, fellas, you know, just being silly. But he, he was home for a few days and had to get the oil changed in his car. And he dropped the car off in town, borrowed somebody's truck to come over there to the job where he knew we were at just so he could see us for a minute. He stayed for 10 minutes and left. Told us all he loved us. I love you guys. Y'all be good. Love y'all. See you again soon. Hmm. On his day off. Well, forgiveness is kind of the same thing what I'm talking about here. It's it's important. It's serious. And it costs. It's like loving somebody. You're taking a risk. Forgiveness is the risk realized. Because it's not a risk. It's reality. You got to bear it. When Jesus forgave me of my sins, it says He bore my sins in His body on the tree. And when He asks you and I to forgive other people, there's a certain element of their guilt, their wrong, 
their transgression that you're going to have to just take upon yourself. You don't ever get rid of it. But you agree to it. You do. Just like he did. Forgiveness doesn't absolve the transgression. Remember that. You know, it's always there. But the forgiver chooses to bear the transgression and its effects while simultaneously choosing to have goodwill toward the transgressor. See, it's no strings attached. It's true love. Exemplified. That goodwill, the true love of forgiveness, isn't reduced one bit by how sorry or not sorry the transgressor is. The forgiveness that's there, the love of forgiveness is not, it doesn't wane because they're not sorry. Has your child ever done anything to you that that hurt? Yeah. Do you love them any less? Is fellowship broken? Yeah. Is there... Is there any reconciliation happened yet? No. Do you love them any less because of that? No. It's almost like it grows. And that's... I don't know. It's kind of like... In my mind, that's how I see Him... With what he did to provide forgiveness, his desire to forgive is greater than it's ever been. Yes. Just like it is with your children. The longer they're gone, the more you want to see them come back. Mm-hmm. When the prodigal came home, his father was watching for him. Didn't surprise the father to see him because he was watching for him. He's all he thought about every day. And why? So he could give him down the road for wasting half of his... No. Nope. He was already forgiven. He ran to him and fell on his neck and kissed him. Why? Because he was forgiven. He was dead and now he's alive again. The only thing affected by no sorrow for transgression is the fellowship between the two parties. Reconciliation comes out of a two-part thing. Godly sorrow and repentance and then forgiveness reciprocated. And then there's the fruit of forgiveness. We'll close with this. Forgiveness is in the form of long-suffering and meekness and gentleness and goodness. Do you not see forgiveness there in the fruits of the Spirit? Yes, it's there. It is, it's there. It's one of the markers of a true believer and it's evidence of the work of righteousness in his life. You know, somebody who's claimed to be a Christian for 15 years and they hate everybody around them and they got grudges against this one and that one and everybody, mark that man. He does not know the Lord. You don't know the Lord. He has no forgiveness. Righteousness, the righteousness of God has not worked that work in him. It's not there. And so don't take his word for it. By their fruit, you shall know them. 
By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. Ye have love one for another. You love the brethren. Well, you ever had to forgive somebody you love? Well, yeah. It seems like that's usually where the worst ones come from, is from the people you love. As that righteousness is worked in our lives and the fruits begin to abound, they make so that our hearts and minds are in the right place to be able to communicate and have fellowship with God, especially in the area of prayer. Think about it. Isaiah thirty two seventeen and the work of righteousness shall be peace and the effect of righteousness quietness and assurance forever. Someone who's quiet in their spirit and their soul and they have assurance they can talk to God. God can talk to them. And it all comes as a an after effect of these things having their work in our heart and in our life. Amen. Mm-hmm.